Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of, I don't even know what we're going to call this one, but it's another podcast right here at Comic Storian. Today, we're sitting down with Wesley Snipes, Keith, uh, oh, I was going to say Adam, that's not your name, uh, Arem? Aram. Aram, okay. At least I checked instead of just saying what I want. <laughs> uh, and Adam Lawson, and they are coming out with a book, it's called The Exiled. It features Wesley Snipes as the title character in it, and we're going to talk about it for a little bit right here. Nice, nice. No, so, thanks, for having us, thanks for having us on, Benny, because I think you've kind of been one of the few voices in the YouTube world that like can help make sense of comics, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that, was, that was how all of this started, because I was overseas uh, over in Iraq, and I was trying to read comic books, and I couldn't follow them at all. So <laughs> I started piecing it all together and thought I'd help that knowledge to people and it turned into a job somehow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well played, <Yeah>. sir. <laughs> so well, let's go ahead and uh, kick it off. Um, what, what exactly got you interested in making your own comic book? Uh, actually, you know what? The first question I had for you, do you prefer to be called Wes Wesley or do you want your full name Wesley Snipes the whole way through like this? Like every time what? we talk to you, just Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Well, but you could call me Bob, but just don't call me Jimmy. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think I'll feel a little weird calling you Bob throughout this whole thing. <laughs> in, in some no, circles, me- it's Daywalker. It's Daywalker. Daywalker. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You, you could use that or you can use Wesley. <laughs> Wesley. Okay. I, just, I, I didn't want to insult you and like use, like get too you familiar. too familiar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it. what decided to, to bring you to make a comic book? Where, where did this idea Where's- come from? It's actually not the first time, but, uh, you know, with the success of my experience, both with uh, Black Panther, which I actually had the rights to many, many, many decades ago, at least two decades ago, and uh, with the success of Blade, it, it opened up my eyes and opened up uh, my artistic uh, expression through this medium and the possibilities that are available through this medium, uh, being able to tell stories, <clears throat> the artwork, is fantastic. I have a, 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 a deep admiration for artists, uh, pin masters, as I call them, and their ability to create these images that tell story, that have emotion, that are, are visually spectacular to look at. And uh, graphic novels gives you the opportunity to work with those kind of skill masters, as we call them. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's right down the lane. Of course, I look forward to I appreciate all the tactile stuff, but I love motion. I love <laughs> yeah. things that move. So we're yeah. looking forward to you know expanding this world into movement and sound and light and color. Yeah, you know you never you never know. You may you may you may you may end up in the, you know a theme park somewhere. By the time we <laughs> <laughs> Very mature yeah. theme. Imagine that. It's got to be seasonal, though. It's got to definitely be seasonal. <laughs> you're a real martial artist you know and i think that in the comic book movie world not everyone is a real martial artist you know and that was one thing like i dug so much with early films you know grew up up in martial arts and it like it kind of elevates what it is like you always talk about movement so much because you are such a master in that world you know yeah a little influence of uh from the manga world you know, and uh, the Titan films and these kind of films, uh, even Avatar back in the day that that explore the martial arts and the authenticity 
of the martial arts and, the, uh, and, and authentic movements. So, yeah, we always like to bring that to the table. That was actually something I wanted to ask you about your martial arts background. Because um, I, I, I was first, I'm, I'm not as old as I appear. And I was really first introduced to your work through Blade and seeing the moves and everything you were doing in that was incredible. And I was curious, now that I have a chance to talk to you, is doing your own stunts and being a part of that, did that inspire you to get into martial arts or were you just always interested? That's just a passion of your own. Fortunately, I started training martial arts when I was 12. Um, you know, in the Bronx, New York, we had reasons. <laughs> we had just, we had just, re just cause. And uh, that was a part of my, my, my world of dance. You know, I, it was a combination of my interest in dance. And uh, over the years, I was able to continue. I was able to develop it further. And once Passenger 57 came along, it was the first film that gave me a chance to really demonstrate or, or present some of my martial arts background and that's you know that a background that started when i was 12 years old so uh yeah yeah i've been doing it a long time and, and some people think i came from the martial arts world into film but actually i came from the theater world into film and had the martial arts under my belt and was able to use it to extend my longevity <laughs> <laughs> and you were able to incorporate that uh, that experience into uh, the the Blade character, obviously. Um, how much of Blade is in the physicality versus what's on the page for you? Well, that version of the film, you know, those all, all the physicality you see, that's my energy. That's all you. Uh, the fight, the <laughs> no, well, not every every scene. You know, there are some <laughs> no, stunt doubles. Yeah, we use some stunt doubles here and there, uh, but the style, the fashion, the energy, the swag—that's all. That all comes from the spirit and mind of the cat you're talking to now. Gotcha, gotcha, right on. I mean, I still um, see that now, Wes. When I watch movies, I see them still copying moves you did. Yeah, in the Blade film. I, I mean, still, I, mean I just cool. see like pretty cool. They just did copy paste. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. Well, you got to take from the classics, you know? That's you can't right. just, you, you, why, right why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. <laughs> right. right on, right on, right on, right on. But they'll be copying what we do with this exile. That we, we get down. <laughs> <laughs> we get down to, oh, yeah. I'm excited just from what, I, what I've seen about it. If you guys get that onto the screen, that's going to look incredible. Just the, if, everything you have planned. Maybe it is. Oh, when? <laughs> when you get it on there screen? You go. <laughs> Very good. When? Yeah. Uh, tell us a little about what came, like, where did the idea for Exile come from? And what, what like, why does this mean so much to you? Like, what is, what is it about Exile that made you go like, we got to get this out here? Because obviously, you know, one of the fun, part of the fun of making a comic book is kind of the immediacy of it, right? Like you come up with an idea, you give it to the artist, we work, you work together, and then boom, within a shorter amount of time. I and mean, we talked about, you know, how it took so long to develop uh, every one of your projects with this it's, it's here we're looking at it like we're able to read it right now yeah. um but yeah what uh what what drew you to making this particular story the world is uh magnificent the world is huge and you can do so much within the graphic novel world that was very attractive but to be really honest working with these two guys was the big draw uh keith and i we've known each other for a minute Adam, we we have a new friendship now. Um, but when I saw his work, I, you know, like another skill master, I recognize game, recognize game, and like, wow, I would like to work with these guys. And uh, that was the biggest draw. The, the, the project, they can talk about 
deeper than I can at this point. <clears throat> but I can be did, honest with them. Hmm? Oh, yeah, because you can imagine, because we'd come up with this story several years back, and and then we we said, hey, Wes, we've got this idea of our comic, and then we then merged the, these ideas together, and it became ah. what, what, what you see now as the exiled, right? Yeah, the so, core of the story is actually not, we haven't revealed even, like, sort of, the outer casing of where you're going to get into with the story and that premise and where the story actually goes um, in this first iteration is like the core of what makes the exile so special. And so what we've been doing over the past year has been sort of developing that world, bringing that out. And what everyone has seen as part of the Kickstarter and this first Ashcan and everything that we're releasing is that first chapter that's going to hopefully tear up the big reveal. We're like an onion that keeps peeling back these layers. And so we're really excited because where the story is going to go, I think is going to really catch people by surprise because it's such an exciting space. And that's the core of the kernel that we brought with Wes. And, and he's been really an amazing collaborator on this story. And when you think Wes, it's like, I think also too, you know, as we were putting, presenting this character, right? There's something that's, I think that re resonated with you about it, you know, back to your days in the Bronx, back to, you know, this is somebody who, has felt exiled. He's felt like he has had a mission that he's been kicked out of. And I think that that characters we were early talking, talking like that, that then, then you brought more to it that developed, Oh, this is a character that is somebody that has seized the world in a way no one else does. And the world hates him for it and wants to shove him in a corner. <laughs> and, and then he is fighting against that grain. Right. Um, and he's kind of ends up being this army of one, right? Like this idea that sometimes when you stand, you you stand alone, right? And I think that that, and there's, and also too, I think there was this moment where we had this discussion, right, about like, what should this feel like? And that was this kind of this idea that, you know, Wes, that we talked about with you, like this idea that it's like kind of like Seven meets Blade Runner, right? And it's that it has these, it's like a detective and a, and a serial crime takes us into something bigger. And I think that that, like Keith was saying, the pulling back the onion layer, at least at least I think early on, like part of your response to that and notes back on that, that's what kind of became why I guess maybe we wanted this story is because it appealed to all those all those things that we love. And that's really the perspective of the story too, is that we're with Roach through this story. It's not like you're just seeing this from all angles and kind of understand what that reveal is as he gets deeper and deeper into these conspiracy theories and what's going on and what you think is a serial killer, and these brutal murders are taking place, it's anything but. And and so that's what makes it really neat is that as a, as a viewer, as a reader, um, is that you're experiencing this as Roaches. And even though he has the instincts and he knows how to survive and get through all these different sort of these uh, challenges that being thrown at him, um, we're going on a journey with him. And that's what we want, really want to do. That's why we've kind of incorporated these like hidden codes and all these different things about the story that there's a lot of other elements surrounding the story. So as the audience is going through this, they're going through what the characters are in real time. And we're going to be doing that over the next year. Yeah, you mentioned before when we were kind of talking before we started filming this about the there being an ARG attached to this, and that kind of stuff normally excites me about stuff coming uh, getting attached to projects. Because anytime you feel like you can be more immersed into a world or more immersed into a project as a reader, that yeah. normally gets me hyped up, and I just turn into a little kid like, oh, now I'm playing this game and I'm a part of this. 
Yeah. So the ARG digital collectibles thing actually sounded really exciting to me. And I, I don't know if you had more you wanted to say on that, but I wanted to kind of explain that a little bit. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I think this kind of stemmed from this first thought, right? Or this first conversation, Wes, is like, how do we make this cutting edge, right? How do we bleed this into tech? How do we get motion into it? Right. And then and Keith and I have done work with this in the past. And I thought, you know, what would be an exciting way is to build a game into the book, right? Yeah. How do we play the book? And so for the campaign only, the this printing of it, there will be hidden codes within the pages of the book mm. that then can be used to unlock you know, we call them digital collectibles because it's like, what do you call that item you get for the ARG? You know, what what is that expression? Yeah. So I'm throwing that throwing that around is the expression, right? That it, it unlocks uh, more experiences and opportunities. Um, and so what's exciting is that as, as this project is, as, as the book arrives, not only do we get the Christmas present when it shows up at your house, but then when you start to read it and start to figure out the clues yourself, you get to, to live it a bit more. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that idea because as someone who reads a lot of comic books, most of the time I read them and I put them down and I don't think about them again. But something like a game or something that'll get me more incorporated into the project just as a reader, just to kind of explore stuff, that's a great idea because it doesn't just, okay, I've read the latest issue of Batman, next kind of an attitude. You know, it won't be, oh, there's Roach's Adventure. I'll see it next week, you know, kind of yeah. a thing. It'll be, oh, well, let me think about that more. I think that a lot of people have been looking at collectibles and NFTs and something where you can obtain something that's a collector's item. And, and that obviously is fantastic in its own right and being able to have something that's unique that you were sort of an early adopter but from a storytelling standpoint, there are sort of opportunities that you can't do in a book. You can't do it necessarily in a movie. You can't do it always in a video game. And so as to develop these characters and these worlds and the backstory, sometimes it's just not appropriate in the medium that we're releasing it. And so what we really love about ARGs and this idea of incorporating these sort of hidden uh, codes is that we can tell that story and expand on Roach's background or some of the other mysteries that are going on and allow the audience to dig deeper if they want to, right? And so, yeah, you're collecting things and you are getting things and some of it can be valuable in, in that space, but more so as a storytelling, it's bringing you deeper into some of those mysteries and conspiracy theories and allows us to tell the story in real time so the audience can actually participate. And sometimes we're actually on the bigger ARGs that we've developed over the years, we're telling those stories in real time. So we're actually writing with the audience as they're exploring and we're letting the audience sort of interact with us as uh, just not as puppet masters necessarily, but also with real actors and live events and other things that are happening. So we really think that ARGs have a big part of what we're developing. Yeah, and I, I, I really, say, I do really also, like oh, Sorry. Sorry. If I can say, I think it's also pretty organic the way this whole project has come together and natural in that sense. You know, an ARG is interactive and immersive and can engage you. And what better opportunity to be engaged into a murder mystery like the right. first 48s or hyper, a hyper real first 48 or the seven, you know, where you can actually experience some of that or you're, you're, you are interactive with it. I think that's pretty, yeah. pretty cool. That's fun. Yeah. I really yeah. do like that idea. It's a great idea you guys came up with for this one. Um, I do want to jump to, jump real quick for a moment to yeah. Well, I was going to bring that up towards the back end too. There's also a great collectible for signing up for the Kickstarter. But this this will have meaning in that hidden codes game. A little Easter egg drop here. Yeah. Okay. Some, there it is. I was like, you can see behind me, and I've got them all over the house. I'm a big collectibles guy. So. <laughs> wow. Nice. Um, no, I think 
collectibles are Benny are rad because I feel like art you can hang on a wall, right? Or you can put it in a book. But yep. when, you, when you can make it 3D and you can set it on a desk, you can put it places. It's just another rad way to experience art. Oh, Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. So the, the question that many of our viewers probably clicked on the video to, to kind of get into, but I, I was, I'm really curious about what your journey of becoming a superhero and getting into the Blade movies was like. Yeah. You know, uh, the first project was, first project actually was the Black Panther. And we held the rights to the Black Panther to do a remake <clears throat> in the 90s. Technology wasn't where it is today. And the vision we had, which was similar to the book, uh, Wakanda was a hyper scientific world hidden with super, super intelligence and super technology. Um, how do you make that work in the, in the early 90s? Yeah, we, we were a little ahead of our time then, but that opened up the door for um, the blade to come along and do some of the things, it's particularly in the martial arts world and the action world that we envisioned okay. that we would do within the... Uh, within the Black Panther world. Um, the, <laughs> I mean, it became real, real clear, real quick that there was an upside <laughs> to being in this kind of a medium. Yeah, yeah, where you can spin it off in so many other areas and the uh, um, uh, expanded world, you know, whether that be in comic books or film or television, you know, that made a lot of sense to me from a business perspective. Yeah, so ever since then, all the money they made off of the Blade franchise, I've been trying to get some of that back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've always considered Blade I mean, you know, and the action did, movies to be we the did pretty, The actors, did, we did, the artists, we did pretty well. I ain't gonna lie. It was very, very, very well. However, we didn't build a whole new industry. <laughs> Right. That's, and that's what, I, yeah, that's what I was just saying. I felt like you guys started it all because yeah. before then it was Blade and the X-Men back in when I was a kid that that was like, this is it. Superhero movies can be good. You know, <laughs> yeah, and right that on. was that, well, before that they weren't good. I mean, no one, no one's really going to sit here <laughs> and argue outside of like a one Batman movie and one Superman movie. We didn't have this list of movies that were good back then. Mm -hmm. You mm. you started like an entire industry of superhero stuff that then got turned into what's now the MCU conveyor belt yeah you know that's that's what it got evolved into over 20 years but it, you, you started a whole thing that was just incredible and that's what i've always wondered about the journey of being the the first guy to do it as opposed you, to the you know, most most of the cats who are the first never know that they're the first right that's right. true you know <laughs> yeah you, you the first person to kick the door in usually also gets splinters so it's like <laughs> hey yeah 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 so, you know you're, you're trying you're trying to just do the best that you can and live up to the uh, expectations of other heroes that you have whether they be artistic or martial arts or comic book creators you know and yeah. a great 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 shakespearean actor by the name of william marshall who play, play a character named blackula back in the yes. 70s he did two or three films of blackula but this guy william marshall for mm -hmm. us despians and, and and dramatic actors he is like paul robeson and 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 some of the top guys at that level but for him to be okay with doing, you know, Blackula playing a black vampire, I thought, wow, okay, that's the best. That's it's fair game, you know. That's okay because yeah. I'm a thespian. I look at, you know, drama, and yeah. uh, seriously and acting seriously, the art form seriously. But why not play a character like this? It's just another character. 
Make it real. <laughs> Add the backstory to it. Do the five, you know, who, what, when, where, and why, the five W's, and see what comes out of it. And uh, that'll make the character more interesting and flesh out, fleshed out more. So if William Marshall could do it, I'm like, I could do it. <laughs> it's okay. How William you... Marshall said it's okay. <laughs> How did you feel about Blade kind of transforming into your portrayal of the character? Because for the last 20 years, that's been Blade. He's just been your version from the movies it's moving trippy. forward. Very yeah. trippy. It's, it's, you Very basically trippy. see yourself in the book all the time, right? <laughs> It's deep, man. It's pretty deep. But you know, you know, I have to. I can share that. I, I had that. I presented a question like this to Sean Connery because Sean Creed, Sean Connery, for me, for me, Sean Connery is the Bond of Bonds. Yeah. Right. And I asked him the questions about how he felt, you know, with other actors playing the character and so forth and so on, and people perceiving him like just as a Bond character. You know. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Amazing journey. You never know. Maybe I was uh, maybe I was blessed to work with you know that type of a guy. I don't work with some heavyweight dudes, huh? That's true. Yeah, you're you're you yourself. Your career, your career is Adam incredible. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think what's so cool about what you just said was is it's like the thing about it is is you brought like the thespian level performance to a superhero movie, and I think yeah. that was. That was the change, right? Was like at the time because super movies, right, guys? Before that, were like, "Hi, here's a no story, no character, no depth," right? Mm. Well, that's basically it, yeah. Because before that, we had Batman, we had Superman, but following that, they were just like, "How many toys can we make with these franchises?" Right. That's all it turned mm. into mm. after the first movies. Mm. But you stayed mm. true to Blade was Blade and prop. It was it was a dramatic piece through the entire three movies. The action was on point. You guys did a great job with it. You didn't. You didn't. The second one didn't come out, and Blade wasn't in like a yellow trench coat and just being like, "Now we got toys." Yeah, they tried. Like, Blade Mobile. <laughs> Blade Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you man. have to fight that? Because you said they tried. Did they try to like completely change a, Blade man, on the second I wish, one? I, I wish I would have known back then that it would have the rise that it has because I would have kept so many things that happened that were so different from what the final film ended up being. Oh, sure. If people saw, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the ideas were pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. But I think yeah. Even the opening scene from the first film set the tone in a whole new way. I mean, you never saw a superhero film where people were getting showered in blood and devoured. By, <laughs> yeah. you know, Here's the thing that we didn't, you know, to be honest, I never thought of it as a superhero film. And that maybe that was my shortcoming. I saw it as a character, you know, two things. But the, the idea of being a vampire, being a leather coat, which took me back to Shaft sure. and being able to do martial arts, which took me back to Run Run Shaw and the Kung Fu movies on Saturday. Mm. That, that combination. I was like, oh, man, this is a must do. Even if right. nobody ever sees it. So I, I never thought about it being like a, a, a comic book movie. I always yeah. saw it as a, as a, yeah, as a, as an action film. Yeah. Well, it was, it was absolutely a scene as that. I remember when mm. Blade first launched, it was like, it, it's the, when the Marvel logo came up, it was like almost like an afterthought. I remember people going, this is a comic, this is a comic book. Like Blade mm. hit in a way where it actually made theater goers. Like, I think it hit on, I mean, it was 99. It hit on a trend that, like the audiences were thirsty for no pun intended of course but uh they're like <laughs> digging on like what that was and they were like holy crap and it's a comic book so you had the uh the added bonus of being like well we could franchise this out a little bit we can get one or two more well i, I think it. i guess i can take a little pat on the back for making to open in the door for other actors and to feel comfortable oh sure 
playing these characters and more importantly the producers recognizing what actors good actors and real actors can do with a yeah. character you know how they can take mm-hmm. something 2d and make it 4d you know yeah yeah no because you can you can see i mean like from the early designs of blade you know from his first from his humble beginnings where it's more inspired from like uh like 70s kind of like action black exploitation flicks where it's like he's got a lot of green in the suit you know to being this modernization of it um it, it grounds the character and it gives the audience something that people are like people are looking for or didn't know they were looking for and then changes the game uh had so, to represent for the yeah. vampires of the world you know well, damn right <laughs> <laughs> they were underrepresented. you had right. to take care of the boculas that's amazing that i <laughs> I hadn't thought all those pieces like Shaft meets Blackula meets Bruce Lee. Oh yeah, that's what <laughs> that is. Exact, literally, that's exactly what I told my my, my team. I was like, "Look, <laughs> this is it. This I is mean, we movie. can do this. Nobody will ever see it. That's okay." <laughs> <laughs> the squad, the fellas, the fellas, the martial arts world, and the dudes, we gonna love this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so what we'll it's all bring, about. We'll, we'll, sure we'll bring fun, some right? of our, our, you know, we were white belts then, so now we're black belts. And we'll <laughs> bring our black belt energy to the exiled and yeah. all the things okay. we do with this project. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. yeah, the exiled seems to have uh, kind of like this return to form. This is like, a, it's an homage. It's It's got uh, it's got modern elements. It's got classic elements to it. Uh, this is a story um, that... I think you can see continuing. Do you have an intention of, I mean, obviously when this Kickstarter is complete and it's been fully funded, congratulations, by the way. Uh, but now that it's, uh, now that it's complete, do you see this progressing or do you kind of look at it as one project at a time? Oh, you know how those guys are like Adam and Keith are, you know, when they get, they get a big hit and get all rich and everything. So you can't, you can't, you can't get in touch with them. You can't reach them anymore. You know, they stop drawing. You know, Talk to my agent. Know, like the laundry's being to thrown out there for us to, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would are they like not to answer your calls. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to continue, but you know how those guys are. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that's a yes. That's a, yeah, a yes. That's a big yeah. yes. Good. Yeah. That, I think we're just tipping the iceberg right now. I think what we did want to do with this, you know, and as you guys probably have seen, because there's a big rash of. Of, of, of comic book launches on Kickstarter where they're releasing single issues. But we wanted to make this Christmas morning, right? We wanted the whole story. We wanted a big oversized book. We wanted it to feel like a complete experience. And then there could be another complete experience like it, I think was our, our hope to do out of this instead of just to sort of sneak something out. And so this is just, this is a nice tip of the iceberg. Um, you know, it's a hearty chunk out of that iceberg, but there's right. plenty, plenty beneath the water. Um, and yeah. one, of the, one of the big things I think. So sorry, Keith. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. Is that we just wanted to set up, you know, an amazing character that could go with us on this journey and explore this universe. Because I think what we've set up is something that's got such roots in it, and and because that path coming in from where it's starting right now with the Kickstarter and where the eventual story is, we have this amazing backstory that we really want to explore and the future of where it's going to go. And so I think as as this first book explores the heart of and teases on both of those. I think we've all talked about kind of exploring that bigger world of where it came from and where it's going. Yeah. Well, I got a quick question that's going to relate to Exiled, to Blade, and everything going on. So Blade is basically, I I believe it is, but I don't want to say that and somebody yell at me in the comments, but (laughs) I believe it is the first R-rated Marvel movie. 
And then, of course, they all went to PG-13 and started making them all more simple, simple, yeah. simple. And now, finally, they're like, oh, we can make R-rated superhero movies. They're, it's like, you know, man, you knew that 10 years, you knew that 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Blade <laughs> proved it works. So, yeah. and I, I assume I know the answer to this, but I did want to ask, are you envisioning Exiled as, like, just an R-rated, we're not worried about it project? Or are you picturing it more modernized, how the MCU's made these kinds of projects, where they're kind of more cookie-cutter to an extent? Uh, I mean, the violence in this is a means to an end. It's not exploiting violence and and gratuitous blood just for the sake of doing that. You you see in our campaign where this killer is like ripping these spines out, but it's it's very pointed. That's what I was wondering, yeah. (laughs) It seems like, like, okay, this is a serial killer who's doing this pretty gruesome stuff, but there's a reason for it, and it's actually very pointed. I think that, you know, obviously if you focus on the blood and it looks like a splatter kind of, uh, story, then obviously it could go down that path, but it's very much not that. Um, the The mission of what this serial killer is doing is very, very specific, and the shock value of what we're seeing in the beginning, obviously it's great to sort of tease that at the beginning, but when you look at it in the R-rated nature of where a film would go or this universe is, it, it it's not it's not built around the violence. The violence okay. is there the point of what he's trying to do and where it's going and sure there's uh, horrific consequences of that but our story doesn't revolve around that so this is not a slasher piece this is not a piece that's really looking to exploit the violence um but uh but it dev- definitely plays a big part of this opening uh chapter well, I, I think also to that point though keith's writing was is like what we also didn't want to make is I, I think there's something that happens that can get kind of sterilized when you're trying to push a story that's following a murderer into a box that isn't, um, you know, like, so to speak, a PG-13 box, right? Because at, at the core of this, you're, you're dealing with the pursuit of a serial killer. And, and so there's, there's dark aspects to that. And I think to remove those or to take those down or to water them down kind of undermines the gravity, right? Undermines your drama. Sure. And so yeah. I think that our, our hope is, is, is that we're building a, a dark, mature, dramatic tale, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that isn't exploitative in the sense where it's like, hi, this is just for fun. No, but this is our, our world. And like you're saying, the ripping out of the spine seems like this crazy over the top, but once you get deeper, you'll realize there is a story point to that. One, which One of the things that I think that we really were intrigued by is that if you look at how Fincher approached seven, right, right. where now horrifically gruesome, very dark, right? But you have a highly intelligent killer who's doing something for a bigger cause and a bigger reason. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not going down that path, but what we really liked as an inspiration and why we kind of compare ourselves to like Seven and then going into Blade Runner is that... that very much that this killer has has a means to an end. And so that, that he needs what he's doing to make a message and to be able to be heard. And that's what I think when seven, what you saw him doing with these seven deadly sins, that was, you know, he was trying to get to that end goal, right? Which is a much bigger message than what he's doing in the moment. And so that was a big part of where this character's motivation goes. And the fact that we're seeing this from Roach's standpoint is very much on the outside. So it's, you see the horror of what the audience is seeing right now, right? And that's why it seems so gruesome. And I think that's what draws him in because he's seen cracks in the shell. He's seen things that no one else has seen. He does understand this doesn't make sense. What, right. if, if, if that happened and it's that gruesome, why is this and this and this happening? And that's really the first layer of this onion that's getting peeled back. And I think that 
when you get past this first chapter, it becomes a much different story. Mm. So with the, the, with the Kickstarter completed and with the book coming, uh, I thought we'd go around the room and just kind of like, tell us, sell us the book, like sell the audience, the book, tell us like, because we talked a lot about the book, like around it, but like, what do you want people to take away from this before they even get a chance to read it? Like how do you want to sell them this book? If you could do, if you could tell them directly, just be like, this is, this is the book for me. And this is, this is how, I, this is what I want you to take away from it. Well, I, I think I would say this. I didn't expect that to be the question to stump all of you. Pitch like, us I your know. book. Pitch us your book. All right. Wow. Uh, no. <laughs> I think we, we all went, oh, who wants to take this? Right. <laughs> okay, I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. All right. Um, you guys go ahead and walk off. I got this. Um, so I think there's two things to, to, to pitch out to this. One is, you know, what is this experience from a content standpoint, like the reading of it, right? And what we're saying to you is, is this is a, you know, this is a seven meets Blade Runner. This is the tale of a, of a dark uh, detective pursuing a dark serial killer. And this is a detective who's plagued with his own past, his own problems, his own shortcomings of living up to his father, his, his destroyed marriage. And he's now pursuing this serial killer into the darkness, right? And so he's burning down whatever little bit of, of, of a building he's got, right? right. Mm -hmm. In pursuit of this killer. And in this pursuit of going, for, going from beyond broke, kicking the bottom out from there, he's going to find Earth's darkest secret and he's gonna redeem himself, right? Okay. That, that he's going into the horror to redeem himself, right? This is his messianic, journey right he's gonna go right. do the dark hard awful thing and come out with redemption so that's our story of, of, of what roach is and like the emotional ride and and then we've trapped it into this beautiful haunting of the serial killer that also has ancient elements as you know that he's using the killer's using tools that are five thousand years old so there's this mix of ancient future and far future coming together and so we feel like that when you get on this ride, it's like you went on that roller coaster and somebody said, good, you don't get to see where this takes you, right? You're, you're in hyperspace mountain, you're twisting in the dark, and that's the, a roller coaster. So that's like the one side of it, the content, and I feel super proud of what we've crafted together. Um, and, and on the other side, then like the physical product side of it, right? It's like th there's something cool because a comic, you read it generally speaking once, hopefully twice, but you read it once, right? And then it spends some time on a shelf, right? As we all know, and it spends some time on a coffee table. Um, and so we wanted to build something that also physically was worth taking this independent Kickstarter crowdfunded crazy ride, right? Mm -hmm. You could get a badass figurine, right? Like yeah. this, right? That you could get this super oversized book um, and that you could get this you know, unique you know, Go version. So like, that's what I, I'm kind of my pitch to you as if you're out there listening and for us here is that you're going to take a, a, a roller coaster ride without breaks um, from a story standpoint. You're going to have a great Christmas morning when it shows up. And, and from a collector's standpoint, as things go on, you'll have, you'll have an item that will, will stand. 
And I think to add to that, I mean, so Adam's like really encapsulated like a great overview of the, obviously where that story is and what the book is. And, and I think there's also another story behind this is it's, it's just us as creators, the independent nature of what we're doing. Um, we've all come from working on big studio projects. We've all worked on games and films and television series, and we all have had our own sort of roots in that. But our, the, at the ground level, we're all storytellers. And what we love is the idea of being able to directly talk and interact with our audience and be able to do the storytelling with them, right? To share a story that we're very passionate about that we think is gonna be carrying us for the next many, many years um, and allowing the audience not only to go on that journey of that story creatively, but also us as, as storytellers, right? And the, the reason we did this as a Kickstarter was that we didn't want to go and shop this as a traditional studio deal and have the film and then spin off the comic book and everything right. else that you would see, like the tentpole films would go. This is something that every single backer is a partner with us, right? They're believing in us as storytellers. They believe in us as someone that's going to take them on this journey. And whether they get something collectible or something that's entertaining them along the way, it's this independent nature that they have access to us through social media, through you know what we're doing right now with you is that we want to be able to keep this conversation going. And I, and I think that that's what's so great about what's happening right now is that we're all connected and it's just you know feeding into what the plans are for the release of this and, and some of the announcements we're going to have coming up over the next month all the way through Comic-Con is this independent nature and finding other people like yourselves to support us and be able to get the story out there. Awesome. It's a great, great way to put it. Uh, like I, I'm a huge fan of the independent market because, you know, obviously you could tell much better stories overall than we see as DC and Marvel it takes them forever to get to the good story. So I'm excited <laughs> for this book. <laughs> I mean, come on, we can all be honest, but you got to put out a book like every other week. It's, it's got to suffer sometimes. It's not yeah. going to be the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, thank you guys for being on here. And thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And uh, Wesley, it was so nice meeting you. It was nice meeting you, Keith. It was nice meeting you, Adam. You guys are incredible. And, Seriously, everyone who's watching this, go check out the link down below. You'll see the Kickstarter. I'll give you the link, and you can go support it yourselves and be a part of this game and book yeah. and statue. You guys did too much <laughs> of the Kickstarter. Just try to. <laughs> you're you're giving right. too much to the people. Yeah. <laughs> Hold it back. Right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you. Love, peace, and hair grease. <laughs> That's an awesome saying. <laughs>